Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to jump into our Bible study this morning. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along, whether that is a Bible on your lap or a Bible on your app, that's fine, uh, so long as you can read the scriptures for yourself. Um, and if you don't own a Bible or have a Bible, then you can keep that Bible. It's a gift from us to you. It's the greatest gift we can give you is Jesus. And uh, how you discover Jesus is uh, through his word. So the uh, closer you get to God's word, the closer you get to Jesus. And for us, it's a great privilege to be able to continue through the scriptures and jump back into our series that uh, we took a little break last week because we were studying the uh, story of Jesus' resurrection and the empty tomb last Sunday for Easter, but we're jumping back into our series through First and Second Thessalonians, uh, a series that we've entitled In the Meantime, because Paul has been sharing with this church that he planted during his second missionary journey, but only stayed there three weeks, and in those three weeks, he was really preaching the gospel and teaching disciples and, in fact, shared a lot about uh, biblical prophecy just in those three weeks. And so we're calling it in the meantime because the uh, church was very concerned and about the uh, future events. And so Paul was teaching this church about how to live their lives as they wait for the return of Jesus. But we also know that this church experienced some persecution Uh, and some hardships and trials. And so Paul was encouraging this church, praying for this church and offering uh, comfort to this church. And in chapter two of 2 Thessalonians, which we're gonna read and study today, we see both of those themes collide. We see Paul addressing, once again, the uh, theme of the day of the Lord and the return of Jesus and clarifying some confusion that came up over time as the church had some questions about it, but also ending this chapter with a prayer, a prayer of, of consolation and of comfort Um, but also that this church would stand fast and uh, be firm and continue on as they wait for the return of Jesus. And so the the title of the message today, just kind of focusing our our attention, is uh, a great delusion. Or maybe some of your Bibles, if you look at the heading in chapter two, it says a great apostasy. And they're very similar in terms. Basically, delusion means deception or a lie. Apostasy has the idea of falling away or walking away or rejecting the truth. And so uh, we're going to be looking at some of those themes today. And uh, the point that we want to remember as we read through, we always like to have a main point and then just kind of break that down as we read through the scriptures, is that people will fall away from God before Christ comes again. People will fall away from God before Christ comes again. Now these are the words that Paul the Apostle uses. And sometimes we think about 
uh, this other term, you know, losing our salvation. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but maybe with the losing of salvation or the falling away, sometimes we kind of mix those two together. In fact, the, the phrase lose your salvation is not in the scriptures. And you remember that uh, Jesus said that he's the good shepherd and the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one lost sheep. So if you've been found by Jesus, you can't be lost. (laughs) Jesus will never lose what he's found. And so using that phrase is really deceiving um, and uh, it's very hard to understand because Jesus will never lose what he's already found. Because if uh, it's based on us, Uh, losing our salvation than it was um, all on our works. That's works-based religion. It's what I did in order to obtain or to earn salvation. But uh, the scriptures teach us that the gospel is by grace through faith. So not only is there the sovereignty of God in choosing, in fact, at the end of this chapter, we're gonna see this type of sovereign choosing of God in our lives, but we also see the scriptures teach uh, us that there's a free will, that there's a reception, there's an invitation. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the falling away is going to be an indication of this day of the Lord. But we're also given another sign, and that sign is of the revelation or the revealing of this man of lawlessness or this man of sin. So there's a couple of things we'll get into. And just a very simple outline for us. One is that Paul's going to clarify the conditions as it relates to the day of the Lord, because there's a question about whether or not they missed it or not. Secondly, we're going to see Paul identify the character of this deceiver, this man of lawlessness or man of sin, who is also called the Antichrist. And then thirdly, we're going to see Paul edify the church and the disciples with God's comfort through this closing prayer. So, uh, jumping into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had already come. And so Paul uses a couple of phrases here. He talks about that they're concerned. He says shaken and troubled. And uh, he indicates that maybe it's coming from a letter that someone had written or a word that someone had said or maybe a message that someone had preached. And it seems to indicate, Paul seems to indicate that it wasn't from him, it was from other people. And so Paul is giving a a warning and a caution here to the church because they were, they were concerned that they had missed out. And Paul addressed this in the first uh, letter, First Thessalonians. You can go back and listen to the message in more detail about the day of the Lord. And the, the phrase day of the Lord is actually an Old Testament reference to a period of time that would include a lot of different events, but mainly it would be the deliverance of God's people as well as the administering of God's judgment against the wicked. Those are the two main uh, aspects that Paul focuses in on. And in 1 Thessalonians, he talks about the rapture. Now, the word rapture isn't in the Bible, but it comes from this word being caught up, raptura, being caught up together with God in the clouds. It's a Uh, the idea of God delivering his people. And so Paul talks about the rapture, but he also talks about the judgment of God in 1 Thessalonians. And now he's gonna give us a little bit more detail. So he says in verse three, let no one deceive you by any means. Everyone say deceive. Deceive. This is a big theme 
when it comes to understanding end times prophecy and uh, having, uh, being, being uh, rooted and grounded upon the truth. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Notice there's a bit of a chronology there. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now Jesus teaches us in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Mark chapter 13, even the book of Revelation gives us some insights into the idea that no one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his second coming. Uh, but we are warned and told that we should be ready to be watchful so that we're not deceived, that we can actually discern the seasons and the times and understand because certain events are happening, the wars and rumors of wars, the famines, the pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Jesus says that these are the beginnings, the, the, the birth pangs that as you begin to see these types of contractions on planet earth happening, then we know that the time is coming. So we're, we're, we're given a couple more indications here. There's a falling away that comes first. And the man of sin revealed the son of perdition. There's a couple of titles given to this individual. This is uh, uh, the Antichrist. So a man of sin. Look at verse four. This man of sin who opposes, notice there's a comma there at the end of chapter three, so it's a continuation describing the unique characteristics of this individual who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is of God. So this is a reference to what Jesus says of the Antichrist who would fulfill Daniel's prophecy in the Old Testament, the abomination that causes desolation. When you see this individual represent himself as God, taking the place of worship as God in the temple, then flee. You know that this is an indication of the great tribulation, which is a part of the day of the Lord, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember, verse five, that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining, that he, the Antichrist, may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he, capital he, that is the Holy Spirit, who now restrains will do so until he, the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. Everyone say restrain. I find this the silver lining in all that Paul is talking about with the doom and the gloom and the judgment uh, and the falling away and the revealing of the man of lawlessness. So we're just gonna pause there and make mention of a couple things. As Paul clarifies the conditions, I see in these opening verses a general sense. Paul's not getting into the specifics. It's a general idea of these two signs of the day of the Lord. And that is the absolute apostasy, the increasing of the falling away of people from faith, from truth, from scripture. But we also see this other indication or sign, which is the revealing of this satanic superman, if you want to call it that, this, uh, this satanic messiah. And Satan has always, from the beginning, been uh, mimicking uh, the ministry of Jesus, and he's going to do that through the Antichrist. And so there's confusion. I mentioned that in the beginning. The church was fearful. 
that they had missed the rapture, the catching up, the deliverance. They had missed the rapture and that they were actually living in the great tribulation, that they were under the judgment of God. So there was some confusion and we said that maybe this confusion came from some teaching from other people that were inaccurate or maybe willfully trying to deceive, but it wasn't coming from the apostle Paul. And so in this confusion, Paul gives us some clarification. Two very uh, important signs, the absolute falling away. Now this word or phrase, fall away, means rebellion or departure. And some people suggest that maybe this is just a general worldwide rebellion. The scriptures indicate that even in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I believe it is, it talks about there will be perilous times in the, in, in the end times that people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and, and deceptive and the heart of people will grow hard and cold and uh, there will be a form of godliness but deny the power of, uh, of God. And so there's all indications in scriptures that as, we, as the prophetic um, clock continues to tick, towards the return of Jesus, that things are going to get more intense, more dark, more ugly, and, um, and more, you know, evil. And yet we're also told that even Jesus said, when these things are going to happen, the gospel is going to be proclaimed, and uh, all nations will hear of it. So there is the work of the Holy Spirit in the sense of bringing conviction, of um, drawing us to the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so we are convicted of sin, brought to the Lord and, and his truth, but we also see the Holy Spirit restraining. So there's this falling away in a general sense of rebellion against God. All you have to do is open up a newspaper, if you get that anymore, or click on the news on, on, the, on uh, the computer, and you can see that the, the, the depravity of the human heart is so wicked and so evil. The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the penalty or the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So we also see, and maybe another uh, interpretation of this falling away is that there is actually a departure. Now, there's other uh, verses in the New Testament that talk about, even in 1 John, that says, even though people were among us, speaking of the church, speaking of people who had, uh, who had, who had, had come to God, even though they are among us, they're no longer with us. And because they're no longer with us is an indication that they are never of us. Now, we are never told in Scripture that we are to go around checking people's salvation and saying, well, you're saved, you're not saved. But even in this chapter, we see that Paul indicates salvation is a work of God, but there's also a work of sanctification. And salvation and sanctification in Scripture are always unified. You cannot separate those two. Because if you just have salvation and you don't have sanctification, then, it, um, then I can... I can have the assurance of some future hope of heaven, but live an ungodly life. And that's not a biblical Christianity. On the opposite side, if I'm just living a good life, but I don't have the truth of salvation based on what Jesus Christ has done for me, uh, then I'm deceived and I'm living for myself. And the idea is, well, I just live a good, if I just live a good life, then I uh, deserve heaven. And so that's religion or works-based faith. And so there's this departure that Paul talks about, a falling away. People who are walking away from God. 
I don't know how all that really works in a person's life. I know I even walked away from God. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents loved the Lord and served the Lord. I grew up in church. I went to Sunday school. I went to Awanas. I memorized scripture. I sang in the church choirs. And yet there was a time and period of my life where I walked away from God. I willfully chose to live my own life to satisfy my fleshly desires. Does that mean that God walked away from me? Absolutely not. His love is constantly and always pursuing you, you and I. But we can willfully and freely choose to reject. In fact, the book of Romans says in the first opening chapters that God turned people over to a debased mind in the sense of no longer restraining them from uh, running after the things of the flesh and saying, if that's what you want to do, then go ahead and do it. And uh, that's a really sad place to be in life. I mean, God's love is always there. He's never rejecting us or abandoning us or walking away from us, but we can walk away from him. And I guess the, um, uh, the uh, question to consider today is, have you walked away from God? Sometimes we just go through life and, uh, you know, our hearts get hard and we experience a lot of pain. And, you know, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Today's the day. Now is the moment to get close to God because there's so much going on in our world. And I would encourage anybody, again, I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And he's brought you here for, for a reason. And if you've walked away from God, you have an opportunity to turn around. The Bible calls it repentance. To turn back to him and to experience that closeness and that, and that relationship. But there is an intensity of falling away, rejecting truth, departing from God in the end times that Paul, Paul indicates here. And then also we're told about a satanic superman, this antichrist, this one who later on we see is empowered by Satan. But the great hope is that the Holy Spirit is, is restraining all of these things. He's working He's drawing you. He's revealing truth. He's, he's giving you comfort. He's giving you counsel. He's leading you to the words of Christ. He's reminding you of this truth. Don't reject the work and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. It'll bring you back to closeness and repentance to him. And so we're given the general ideas of the day of the Lord. Two signs, falling away as well as the revealing of this antichrist. Now, we're given a little bit more detail about who this individual is. Notice uh, Paul continues on in verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed. That is when the Holy Spirit's restraint is removed. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So we know that the Antichrist's days are numbered. We know who wins we know who has the victory, it's Jesus Christ. But he's given this opportunity to deceive many. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Oh, interesting. Now we're told that Satan is pulling the strings behind the scenes. He's the one who is giving, notice, with all power, <clears throat> signs and lying wonders. So Satan is empowering this individual to be able to perform these deceiving and manipulative uh, signs and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth 
that they might be saved. Just circle that phrase, the love of the truth, in the person's Bible sitting behind you. Go ahead right now. Just turn around and circle it. It's really good. You need to remember that. That's the gospel. They rejected the love of truth. The Bible says that the gospel is the truth of God. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me to reject. Notice, there's an opportunity that we can either receive or we can reject. Whosoever means the gospel is given to every single one of us. That God's love is demonstrated to us. But the encouragement here is to not reject but to receive, because when you receive the truth, you are able to reject the lie. But the opposite is true. If you don't receive the truth, then you're prone to uh, accept the lie. And the delusion that is coming, the deception that is coming upon planet Earth and human souls in the end times through these powers and wonders and lying deception in Satan And notice that this individual exalts himself. We're told that in the previous verses, in unrighteousness and perishing, that they might be saved. Notice that the truth will set you free, is what Paul says. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. The gospel of truth, the love of truth, has power to salvation. But Satan here comes with power to deceive And for this reason, God will send this strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So Paul clarifies for us this understanding of salvation but also God's judgment. Now we're told a couple things about this individual. One is a couple titles. The man of lawlessness, uh, the man of sin, as well as the son of perdition. And these titles basically tell us that this individual is the ultimate personification of evil, sin, rebellion, and destruction. That's basically what Paul's telling us when he gives us these titles. Sin, rebellion, uh, evil, as well as destruction. But we're also told about the travesty in which this individual conducts their lives. And that is exalting themselves claiming deity, demanding worship that only belongs to God. And so um, I think this is the epitome of pride. Uh, As you look at exalting oneself, it's the idea of pride, somebody who is puffed up, the ego, drawing attention to self. And if you remember back in the Old Testament, uh, this is really how Satan fell. He fell from heaven because of his pride. He exalted himself. In fact, Satan wasn't always the Satan we know today. He was a beautiful, uh, created, angelic being leading worship in heaven. But he puffed himself up and said, hey, hold up. How about we just switch this up? Look at how important and look at how good and look at, look at how awesome I am. How about you guys worship me? And uh, it's pretty interesting when somebody gets power and somebody is leading things how easily and quickly that ego can go to someone's head. Many a worship leader, in fact, I've seen over the years, pride go to their heads and pride go to their, go to their, their lives because, wow, I'm so important. I'm up in front of people. So it's just a continuation of the example of just humbling ourselves. And this type of exaltation is exactly not only what Satan has done, but what he's going to empower this individual to do, claiming to be. He's pulling the strings. 
of, of worship for self, exalting self. But there's also deception. There's trickery. And that trickery is in these signs. He's harnessing the power of Satan to deceive and to manipulate. And that's what Satan has done from the beginning. Deceive and manipulate Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Deceive and manipulate you and I even to this day. I mean, the Bible calls Satan the father of lies. He's come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's the accuser of the brethren, night and day, accusing you and I. And so he's empowering this individual, this man of sin or lawlessness in the end times in order to bring about his purpose. Basically, this is Satan's Messiah. It's not the Jesus Messiah. It's not the scriptural Messiah. It's not the prophetic Messiah. It's Satanic's Messiah. Notice the similarities. This Satanic Messiah has an appointed time. He has an appointed moment. He also has a message to give. He's come with a specific ministry and he's performing miracles. Satan is mimicking the biblical prophetic Messiah of Jesus and bringing that about to deceive many. But we're told ultimately that this individual is condemned, that this individual is crushed and consumed by the coming of Jesus. So generally speaking, stay with me here, generally speaking, we have the indications of the day of the Lord. Two signs are very important, a great falling away. What does that mean for us today? One is, don't fall away. (laughs) That's pretty simple, right? Just write that on the side of your Bible. Don't fall away. Though the opposite of falling away is leaning in. Lean into Jesus. Lean into his word. Take, a, take one step today closer to him. And as you take steps closer to him, his Holy Spirit is going to work in your life. And then also, be alert and be aware of the events that are happening around us in order to see the falling away, the evil that is arising and the deception that is happening. Stay close to truth. Stay close to scripture because God's Word gives us immovable faith when facing insurmountable forces. Immovable faith. When you build your life upon God's word, it is a source of truth. When you deviate from God's word, when you manipulate it, when you change it, when you add to it, when you subtract from it, that is when the deception, that is when the lie, that is when um, the manipulation begins to take place. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to his word. Be alert, watchful, and pray. And then Paul says, let me encourage you, Christians. I know this is a lot to take in. I know this is heavy. I know this has to deal with future events. And I know that we're not all gonna understand the specific workings and details, but let me encourage you and comfort you is what he says in these closing verses in verse 13. But we are bound. Notice but, there's quite a bit transition there. But, having said all that, church, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Notice his joyfulness for the church. Brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Wow, this is like... God's sovereignty and we're choosing and and receiving and and accepting. It's the truth of the gospel. It's being presented. It's all there, a part of salvation. 
to which God has called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and word. Wow, this is such a great prayer. If you need a prayer this week, go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and just pray that prayer. God, I need your consolation. Give me your work. Help me to stand fast. So in this closing encouragement, Paul edifies the church with God's comfort. He speaks of their appointment. He talks about from the foundation of creation, our redemption was anticipated. Even from the beginning. In fact, the Bible says that before, uh, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And uh, God knows us intimately. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, created for a purpose and a plan. The Bible says it is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. None means none. His desire and heart is for all to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And God's patience brings about salvation as he waits, as the Holy Spirit is restraining As time continues on, there is opportunity to respond. The foundation of creation was preceded by the anticipation of redemption. God desires that relationship with you and I, salvation and sanctification tied together. The work of salvation by grace, you have been saved through faith, right? It's not of yourselves, but the sanctification part of being changed. Now you are a new creation, You are born again. The old has passed away and all things become new, being formed and molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the appointment of God in our lives, but then he provides the encouragement. That encouragement is to stand fast. Everyone say stand fast. That means to be solid and secure. It means to build a foundation upon Jesus Christ as our rock, to be close to his word, not only to know his word, but to live his word. And those who know and live his word will be like a person who builds their house upon the rock. When the storms and the winds and the waves come, when the trials and the temptations and the difficulties come, your life will not fall. It's built upon the solid foundation. Notice Paul uses a couple words here. He says, Hold fast to the traditions. Now, Paul is not talking about religious customs. He's talking about the spiritual doctrines. He says, whether by word or epistle, there is biblical instruction and teaching that is so important in the passing along of doctrine, but there's also the written word, the epistle, the word of God that gives us the doctrines as well as the truth. And he says, I want these truths to establish you firm, giving you comfort, giving you encouragement. And notice that he talks about how this salvation was chosen. There's sanctification. There's the work of the Spirit. There's belief in the truth. You realize that the gospel right there, there's revelation of truth, not only natural revelation and creation, but supernatural revelation of God through his word. And that leads us to invitation. The Holy Spirit is inviting every single one of us, bringing us close to God. And in that invitation, 
there is a reception. Is your heart open to God? Are you responding to his free gift of salvation? Are you responding to his work in your life? That's the progression of the gospel in our lives. And Paul says, you know what? God has done a great work. He's so good. Notice the things that Paul is praising God for. His love, his consolation, his hope, as well as his grace. Now before, uh, before Paul presses God for any need in his prayer, He praises him for his grace. Oh God, you are so good. Oh God, you're so loving. Oh God, you're full of grace and hope. Before he gets to the needs, he praises him. I think that's a great example for us in prayer. Before you get to asking God for things, praise him for his goodness. God, you're so faithful. God, you're so loving. God, you're so good. Stand fast, church, is what the apostle Paul says. And how do they stand fast? Where do they stand fast? When do they stand fast? They stand fast in what Paul already talked about, in the distresses, in the trials, in the persecution. That God will give you the strength to stand fast in deception, in the lies, as you reveal the truth through scripture. That you would stand fast as well in the destiny of the future hope and glorification that Jesus Christ is coming. That gives us great assurance and great hope. Paul prays very simply for the church that they would experience God's comfort and the continuation of following him. And I think that's a great prayer for us as well today. Amen? Amen. We're going to have our worship team come on up and lead us in a closing song. But as always, there's got to be some takeaways for us, some, some understandings. And I, and I know that many of us are, are already thinking about that. But here's a couple more to consider. Maybe you have taken a couple of steps away from God. And I want to encourage you, even in the closing of this song, just in the quietness of your own heart, you can return to Jesus today. You can come back and close to him. In fact, he's been running around, leaving the 99, looking for that one lost sheep. And uh, he just desires to have that relationship with you. So return to Jesus if you walked away from him. Hold fast to truth. Know the scriptures. And in knowing the scriptures, You won't be deceived and lied in culture, in the world. Well, we got to change this. Or, well, Christians are are really narrow-minded or bigoted. And so because of that, we got to change the scriptures in order to be more relevant, in order to, so that we don't offend anybody. So, so, so that we don't get charged with a hate crime or so, so that we, we don't have a lawsuit against us. And that's going to be the pressure that's coming upon. It probably already is here. Uh, upon us to stand up for biblical truth and sound doctrine and not changing those things because of the changing culture. Do you see how evil, how perverse, how wicked our culture is? But do you realize that the darker the evil gets, the brighter the gospel shines, the more clear Jesus is in your life. And so if you just get close to Jesus, what's going to come out is the light of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the light of the world, Jesus says. But then he turns around and says, no, when you have Jesus in you, then you're the light of the world. Be the light of Jesus Christ in these dark times. Uh, Viewing the events of, of life around us through the lens of prophetic scripture and being solid upon God's truth. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray for this work to be done in our lives. Um, Thank you for the, the snapshot 
It's not all clear. We don't know when, but these snapshots that precede the day of the Lord, the coming and the return of Jesus, the catching up, the gathering together, the delivering of your people, the end of the story. Lord, sometimes it's a little over our heads and it's a little confusing. But I pray for all of us today that just in the next step, going back into our our week and, and into our lives, we'd experience your closeness, your mercy. We wouldn't rebel or depart, but actually quite the opposite. We would submit and draw close to you. We'd be rooted on your word. And I pray maybe if there's anyone here today who has rejected the love of the truth of God, as Paul the Apostle put it, that in the quietness of your own heart that you would receive, repent, and accept God's gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, confessing your sin and being made new. God, we thank you. We love you, and we're, we're grateful for this encouragement and comfort, and it's in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.